0: Welcome to Focus, the productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm Mike Schmitz, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Mike.
1: How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about Focus and our environment.
1: Yeah, uh, this came to me when I was reading The Extended Mind, which was probably one of my favorite books of last year. Uh, There's a whole section in there about being focused and or, you know, how your environment affects your ability to focus. And I thought it was something we should probably cover on the show. So today we've got our outline together. We've got a lot to talk about.
0: Yes, we do. You had, uh, in putting together this outline, asked the question, how does your environment affect your ability to focus? And I like the answer that you gave here. Yeah,
1: a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a running um, story throughout the extended mind book where, where Annie refers to human brains as magpies, you know, magpies build their nests out of whatever materials are available to them. And so, you know, the environment determines what the nest looks like and that's the way the brain works too. It's, you know, it, it works with the materials you feed to it and The contrary story to that, and one that I'm frankly guilty of using myself is like equating the brain to a computer. In fact, I have like my personal productivity system. I call it Sparky OS. I mean, how much more computery could you get? But there are differences. And and one of the things she points out through the book is, you know, a computer largely works the same way no matter where it is. Like if you take a computer and you put it on the beach in Tahiti or on your lap, on your kitchen de- uh, table or you know at your work it's going to process at the same speed it's going to d- do the same calculations it's not really going to change however our brains are not the same you know you put our brains into the tahiti versus your kitchen table it's going to operate differently and that is something that i think really extends to our environments and how we determine a focused environment
0: yeah i like that whole analogy of uh, the brain as a computer, like most people do. It's it's convenient, right? But there's definitely places that it falls down, like like you mentioned. Uh, at the beginning of that book, I like how she kind of starts by saying our brain is like a computer in some ways, but it's also like a muscle, and it's also like the magpie, which I had no idea what that actually was till I read
1: that. It's a <laughs> type of the bird, book. yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, that story about the magpies really resonated with me. I could totally see how my my brain does that exact thing. It just picks out these little pieces and hard codes them. You know, I I can't remember things that I have to do, but I remember silly sports statistics from 20 years ago (laughs) because that's what my my brain chose to hardwire into the nest.
1: Yeah. And and frankly it that has a lot of consequences. I mean I think it affects what information you pour into your brain, like where do you watch your news and what books do you read? It also, I think, has an impact on the people you surround yourself with, you know. Um, but for today's discussion, I think the the focus is what is the environment we build around ourselves as we try to do our work or live our lives and how does that affect our ability to focus so the thing I'd like you to buy into going into the show is that it does affect your focus a lot. Um, if you think that um, you are going to have the same thoughts, whether you're on the beach in Tahiti or at your kitchen table or whether you're in a crowded airport or in you know, a Zen monastery, I, I think you're going to be mistaken. I think it really the environment does affect you. And if you accept that, then we can start, programming against it see there i go again with computer terms but if you accept that you can start building tricks around that
0: sure as we get into this we're going to talk about some of the different environments that we can uh we can grab from there's obviously the physical ones there's also digital workspaces and things like that Uh, but i think it's also important to call out here at the beginning that you maybe don't have complete control over all of these different environments that you find yourself in. Yeah. And so don't get discouraged as we share a whole bunch of options, um, things that you might be able to do, levers you might be able to, to pull, just control what you can control. And even if you make one of those environments just a little bit better, it's going to pay off as you go forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, both Mike and I are lucky enough to be self-employed right now. So we actually have more control than, than we have historically. And, but I worked for other people for a long time. And I remember going to the office every day and limits as to what you could and couldn't do. I, I had this one boss one time who was super into the way he wanted the offices to look and they had these big glass panes next to each door. So you could always walk around and look in. And I had a picture an Ansel Adams picture hanging in my office that would always go just a little crooked and he would come in the office and straighten it like, he just like (laughs) walking my office straight and it became a game where then I would like intentionally make it crooked just to see how long it would take, you know? Um, (laughs) That's funny. I mean, (laughs) so I, I, uh, there was control in that instance as to, you know, how crooked the pictures were on my wall. But I mean, uh, we, we built that in the outline. We're going to talk about that. So if you're listening and say, I'm in a cube and I don't have any control, this isn't worth my time. No, it is. In fact, you need the show more than, than anybody else because you've got to like, start to work on those environmental dials even uh, even if you have very little control over them as much as you can because this stuff really matters. Right. Have you ever realized that? I mean, have you ever noticed it in yourself the change of environment and or like made a change in your environment and noticed a change the way you worked?
0: Well, I've noticed that when I change my environment, it does wonders for my ability to think about things. Uh, So a couple specific things that I do just day-to-day. If I find myself at a point where I can't figure out what to do about a particular problem or I hit a wall writing something, that's usually the time when I'll go for a run. And getting out into a different environment kind of shakes things up and allows things to flow again. It's usually when I'm out for a run that I'll, I'll get the idea or the the solution. And uh I've got drafts on my Apple Watch that I've started capturing those things because more than once I'm like, oh, I'll remember that when I get back and I I don't. <laughs> and that's where all the good stuff comes from is when I'm in a different environment. And then likewise with the personal retreat stuff, uh I go away to a different location. And the whole purpose there is that I'm going to think about things differently when I'm not around my normal surroundings.
1: Yeah, I I think the blunt instrument of environmental impact on focus is when you're stuck. Um, That's the obvious one. And I think almost everybody has experienced that where you're stuck on something and you take the dog for a walk or you go get coffee or you do something and you get yourself unstuck without even really trying. It feels like whereas when you stay in your current environment, there's like no way out. And I think a lot of people experience that, but I think it can also be a lot more subtle than that, um, where I have found that over time, I have certain environments that particularly lend themselves to certain kinds of work or or focus modes. And by just kind of um, embracing that, it, I, I, it's like a shortcut in my brain to get focused. So like all of a sudden environment is at, you know, we're talking about environment here really as a way to stay focused. Like how do you engineer your environment so you don't lose focus, but you can actually turn environment into a tool to turn on focus, which I think is like the second level of this stuff. Now we're going to get into all that in the show, but I was just curious going in if you've noticed it and, and I definitely have. And I think if you're listening to the show, I'd like you to just take them in and think about sometime you were stuck and how you got unstuck and if it didn't involve a change of environment, because so often it does. Environment is, uh, this is no mystery that people use environment to affect focus. Uh, The example that Annie Murphy Paul used in her book was this Jonas Salk Institute in La Jolla, California. I've actually been there. Um, It's really cool. And it was built in the 60s and he wanted to create an environment that would encourage, you know, Nobel Prize winning scientists to further science. And it's right on the ocean. The, the architecture really does kind of look like something out of an older age because it was the 60s and the construction techniques and things. But for the time, it's got a lot of glass and you've got a lot of views of the ocean Um, I found a virtual tour of the Salk Institute online. I'm going to put in the show notes. You should check it out just if you're curious. But but that is a building that was engineered to encourage focus. And that's a thing that you can do. But that's one of the first examples I'm aware of that did it.
0: I've not seen the virtual tour that you mentioned, but looking at some of the pictures online, this looks like a very interesting place. Yeah
1: and one of the things she talked about in the book that also kind of uh rung with me was like monasteries of the middle ages and how they were engineered around focus and the way you know the living quarters were set up and you know giving people enough exposure to each other but also giving them a space to work and be solo um in a lot of ways i think that actually affected uh dr salk's thinking for the salk institute and and that was really fascinating. So, I mean, I, I've recommended this book so many times now. I, you know, if you haven't, if you're not going to read it, don't read it, but it's a good book. And uh, another one that stood out to me when I was reading this was the Pixar building up in, uh, I think it's in Berkeley. It's not in Berkeley, but it's near Berkeley. And um, that's the building that Steve Jobs had a huge say over. And it was, you know, Pixar grew up kind of explosively at the beginning. And, and, Famously, when they made uh, Toy Story 2, the company kind of imploded. Like there was all these stories. I think it was the Ed Catmull book. He was talking about how somebody left their baby in the car, and it was okay, yeah. but it was very dangerous. And and they had people working in different buildings all over the city, and it was like a huge mess. And Jobs is like, "Okay, guys, we have enough money. We need to make a building to encourage creativity." you know, and that's a form of focus. He wanted a building for creativity. And what he wanted was um, delightful interactions. I think is, and this is coming from the Steve jobs book. I think I've read so many things about Steve jobs. I'm not sure where they all come from at this point, but he wanted people to bump into each other, but he also wanted them to have space to work. And like one of the things he had wanted when they were planning it was, he wanted a single bathroom for the whole building. Well, a single men's room and women's room. And the architect and this, you know, the city uh, you know, planning commission were like, no, you can't do that. You know, you have to have one but his idea was if you only have one bathroom, everybody has to go to the bathroom, you're gonna bump into people and let's just force them to do that. And and it was very intentional. And if you look at the architecture of the building, it's the same thing. They have this big like barn center where everybody is forced to walk through on their way to their individual workspaces. And the whole idea is to encourage, you know, individual interaction, but allow for focus. And so we've got, you know, a version from the 1960s. We've got a version from, I think it was the Ott Tens that I don't know when that was built, but it wasn't, you know, I think it was within the last 10 years. Maybe a little bit longer. I first see it's been gone a while now.
0: Yeah. I I don't remember when it was built, but I do remember uh, reading Creativity Inc. And there's some cool examples of just how the environment changes the way people work we're talking about it specifically from the ability to focus but one of the stories that stands out to me still from from that book is they were having these meetings and they had this big long table and the people who were quote unquote important sat at the middle and everybody else kind of moved towards the ends in order of Rank and some people didn't get to sit at all. And so the people way on the ends didn't get to contribute to the meetings. And so they got rid of that table and built a big square one. So nobody had an advantage over anybody else when they sat down to have a meeting. Yeah. And that is kind of brilliant when you think about it. And it's not something you maybe would think about. You'd probably just go to that sort of meeting, sit down at the end and walk out of it and feel like, well, that was a waste of time. Right. And that's simply because of the environment that you happen to be in when that meeting took place.
1: So the long and the short of it is that we're monkeys, we're not computers, and monkeys, environment matters. And um, this show's about staying focused and productive, but I think this is something that everybody should be intentional about in designing your workspace. And there's all, there's all sorts of implications for this. I want to kind of talk through this in a minute. But I also want to thank Mike and just put this in the back of your brain because I didn't put this in the outline. What if you had an unlimited budget to build a workspace for yourself? You know, Mm. I think that would be kind of a fun thought experiment. Let's get to that in just a minute.
0: This episode of focused is brought to you by indeed. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, you'll need the right team to make it happen. Indeed makes it easy to hire and build a team with the right skills to make those thoughts you've had about growing your business a reality. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed's Instant Match, assessments, and even virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you'll get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for the quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. You'll be in good company, join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that have used Indeed to hire great talent fast. So start hiring right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com focused. F-O-C-U-S-E-D. This offer is valid through March 31st. Go to indeed.com slash focused to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Once again, that's indeed.com slash focused, F O C U S E D. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Our thanks to indeed for their support of the Focus podcast and all of Relay FM.
1: So, you know, historically, the idea of a place to do work is a, a table with a a chair and a computer on it i mean of the last 50 years or so right that's kind of what we've evolved to
0: yeah and that's exactly what i thought of when you mentioned the salk institute and the model of the monastery yeah maybe it's just my own upbringing but that's the picture that i i got it's like you have this room you have your bed you have a chair you have a old wooden desk and that's it yeah. <laughs> that's not appealing to me yeah but that's not that's not what you're the point that you were making Uh, These physical workspaces, though, and I love that question that you asked about the unlimited budget. Um, I think that this is really cool, like the different sorts of levers that you can pull here with things that maybe cost a lot of money, but don't necessarily have to in terms of changing your your physical workspace.
1: Yeah. Well, I, want, I don't want to answer that question yet. I want to kind of go through the mechanics first. But the, if you look, you know, the idea and really, let's say the last, instead of 50 years, the last 25 to 30 years, it's really evolved as the emergence of the personal computer arrived. And, you know, and that was dictated by The constraints of of computer technology. You needed a desk that could hold a big CRT monitor for a very long time. And you needed a place that you could stick a big box underneath and have a keyboard on. And the workplace kind of adapted to the idea that you do your thinking while seated at a computer with a cathode ray in front of you. And That was a fairly short period of time. You know, I mean, the CRT monitors are already gone, so they're a lot lighter now. Laptops are much more popular than uh, desktop computers. And now a lot of people think about a workspace as like these rooms with a lot of empty desks where you can take your laptop and sit it. But it seems to me like the technology has been driving the idea of uh, what is the space where you do your thinking And I think that's a mistake. You know, I I think we've really kind of let ourselves be led around by technology on this, where we should be thinking about the monkey's brain instead of the technology more in terms of, you know, determining workspace where we can stay focused.
0: I agree with you. I also remember growing up having a big roll top desk that my dad had bought, which had a cutout space for that CRT monitor. And it had a built-in surge protector style thing with the six different switches in the front, and on the left was a big pull-out drawer which had two shelves, one for the computer and one for the printer. <laughs> and uh, I-, I remember when we got it, thinking, "Oh, that is so cool that it's custom designed for this technology." Now I go to their house and I see it, and I'm like that seems so long ago. You know, it's fire. What are you going to do yeah. with this stuff now? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that is something and and just the idea that you need to be seated and, you know, relatively stationary to do your thinking. I don't think that really uh jives with our species. And, you know, getting back, this whole subject was inspired by this book, so I'm going to keep going back to it. But, you know, for Generations on generations, humans did their thinking while wandering the plains. You know, I mean, we were not a stationary species until very recently. And there's something to that, right? I mean, the technology evolved so quickly, but the brain doesn't. And, I, you know, that's why all of a sudden there's all this interest in desks that can switch between standing and sitting modes and people getting on treadmills or just taking walks. And, and people are like rediscovering ways to unlock focus and concentration, which goes against the grain of what historically was considered for our generation, serious work.
0: I think even that though, there's a little bit of a wrong motivation for a lot of that stuff, at least speaking from my own experience i know i fell into that trap it's like oh i can get a standing desk because then i can be more focused and there is something about focusing when you're standing up but if you're not careful all that leads to is greater efficiency which is fine to a certain point but the reward for getting done with your work faster is always going to be more work for you to do yeah (laughs) so there are limits with this and uh the treadmill desks and all that kind of stuff, that's that's great for helping you focus on the task at hand. But when you think about focus and intentionality, I think there's a parallel here with thinking time, which requires you not just to be moving, but requires you to be in a different place. That's the whole idea of context switching and you have to get out of your current location into someplace different for that context switch to really happen. You don't have to go, you know, a certain number of miles or anything like that. My home office, we're going to talk about that later, I think is kind of set up with like different areas for for different things, but you have to go to a different place in order to think a different way.
1: Yeah. I, I'd like to start though, even more fundamental of the idea of stationary versus motion um, because like one of the other people I worked with at the firm was really like into the idea that you did your work seated at your desk. Cause that's what he grew up doing. And that's what the generation before him did, but this is all relatively new. And I did a lot of my work in the firm pacing around my desk. I had a whiteboard on the wall and a pen. I'd literally walk in circles around my desk. I don't know, maybe miles a day. I mean, to the extent that, it, you know, the carpet was worn and every time I was on the phone call, I had a headset and I'd walk around the desk. I I just could not sit and work. It's just never been something that um, works particularly well for me. So I've always wanted some degree of motion in it. And I really do think that helps me with focus. And, you know, this is a spectrum and all of us are different, but I think as a species, Motion does help us, and I've never really bought into the idea of a treadmill desk, but I've never taken one seriously either. So, if you're using one, that's great. Um, they they cite a study in the book about um, radiologists who were doing their radiology reviews sitting at a desk versus ones doing at a treadmill desk, and the treadmill desks ones caught more mistakes, they caught more problems. Um, so, I don't know, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Some of these studies are hard to you know, hard to believe, but the, uh, but I do think like just the idea of introducing motion to your workspace can help.
0: I, I agree with that. Uh, I, I just think you gotta be careful with how you apply that. Uh, and again, that's just based on my own personal experience, I guess, Yeah. and the traps that I've fallen into, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I've got a standing desk here because I find it I'm more energized when I'm standing than when I am sitting at a desk so there's there's definitely some some truth to that kind of stuff, but also recognizing what is the type of work that really moves the needle for you what's the stuff that really matters yeah and uh going forward in the uh digital economy uh, I kind of feel it's the stuff that is solving problems, uh, it's not the rote, you know, I'm going to do this thing as quickly as possible. Even cranking out words to a certain extent for me as a lot of the writing and stuff that I do. That's all fine and good, but there's a a point where the human brain really just can do certain things that can't be automated or done by machines. Yeah, And that's the kind of stuff where I think movement can help a, a little bit, but it's not going to get you all the way there
1: yeah agreed and and but I, and I think a standing desk is great I think a sit stand desk is better because it allows you to introduce change and yep. you know change an environment even going from sitting to standing can sometimes give you that little bit of extra chemicals that you need. Uh, but it's not just that. I mean, I have a comfy chair in my studio, and I love to sit in it and do certain things. And this kind of gets back to context engineering where I'm trying to do certain things in certain places. So when I just sit there, my brain suddenly like triggers a focus mode as a, you know, which is like I said, that second level stuff I want to get into later. Um, there's also environmental concerns with your workspace that I think you need to take in consideration when you're thinking about focus. A couple categories that came to me. The first one is just, you know, kind of how much ownership do you have of the space? Like, and like, if you work for someone where they're like, Hey, this little five by five cubicle is yours, but you're not allowed to put up any pictures from home. And we want to keep everything very sterile. I think that can really constrain focus because you, it's hard to feel safe in a space that isn't really yours. And um, there are studies behind this as well. I think, um, I think was it, was it this book that I read about the study where they talked about where they, they made everything sterile and then they let people like personalize and they were became suddenly more productive. Mm -hmm. I've read too many books. Um, (laughs) um, And I think that's cool, but, and we're going to talk about our spaces, but in in a minute, but I really have kind of like tried to think about that and put stuff in my space that makes me happy and also motivates me. And, uh, but at the same time, I like things pretty clean, you know, it's like so much so that sometimes I'll take out something that's actually productive just because I don't like the the clutter of it, you know, but I think we all kind of figure out our own balance there.
0: Yeah. And I also think that something to pay attention to, um, you're right that more personalized spaces are going to provide for lack of a better term, a productivity or focus boost used Tactically, uh, context switching can also, though. And I'm thinking about like if you are working at home, you don't have a home office that you can decorate the way that you want to. Even just going to a coffee shop or a co working space, something that maybe you can't really personalize that space. And it is sterile. In some instances, I actually kind of find that preferable. I'd don't know if it's just because our house is lived in and <laughs> there's piles of stuff occasionally and go in someplace that's minimalistic and you know there's not toys sitting out in the the corner like that's refreshing to me, but I think that yeah understanding that there are times when these things can be modified and and used in in different ways and and provide maybe some some different results.
1: Yeah. And I think that's another environmental trigger is cleanliness, you know, and some people can work amidst chaos and, and there's, you know, everybody's on the spectrum of this. My wife is, she likes to keep a lot of stuff. So it like ends up like in piles around the house. And that's, uh, that's not, I don't like that, you know, but, you know, I mean, we, of all the problems you could have with your marriage, that's not a very big one. You know, we work around it, and she like she knows that about me. So the spaces that are mine get left alone. But, yeah, I think there is something to that. And To me, it's, it's not healthy sometimes how much I want things, like, clean and neat when I'm working. So much of that, it's like, is that an, an attempt for me to forestall actually doing the work? Like, if I sit down to do important work and there's a lot of stuff on my desk, I will have to address that before I can start the work. And, uh, we're going to look at your, our, uh, pictures later, but like your, your space is more <laughs> cluttered than mine. Yep. And, um, it bugs me looking at it, but you know, I, I think that says more about me than you.
0: Well, I, I think there's uh, an element of truth to that. I think regardless of what you prefer, there is some benefit to be had from things being orderly, but that being said, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff on my desk that I enjoy seeing so yeah. it, i don't feel the pressure like i gotta clean this up i'm gonna put in the uh the show notes here a twitter thread that i stumbled across this must have been a couple of years ago by drew kaufman of artists desks that were covered with in his words an insane amount of stuff yeah <laughs> starting with steve jobs and then oliver sax and there's a whole bunch more yeah. walt disney and some of these even for me, with my clutter desk, I look at these and I have a like visceral negative reaction to looking at these. yeah, uh, but it also seems like some of the most brilliant creative people, maybe they do kind of thrive in this environment. so maybe there's something else that turns on the the spigot of creativity for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I had my office in the firm and other lawyers would come sit with me they'd look around my office and it would be, un- be it would be, I would unhinge them because there was never like stacks of documents on the floor. Like all lawyers offices have stacks of files everywhere. And very early in my career, I just decided to digitize everything. So I just didn't have the stacks. Everything was very ship shape, you know? And so they either thought I was just a weirdo or I didn't have any business. Like I didn't have any clients because of my office. But yeah, so that's that's a thing and you I, th- but yeah, I think you have to accept that about yourself as you're planning to create environments to be focused. Another element in addition to like ownership and cleanliness is noise and other people. Like uh can you work good in a room full of background noise? You know? Like I find um that a room that is completely silent I cannot work in. I need a degree of noise. It's I have tinnitus, so I just hear noise anyway but i want um i want some form of noise whenever i'm working if i have a like completely silent room it bugs me
0: so when i was in college i had a large collection of movies that i would put one on and use as background noise whenever i was studying uh, a lot of my roommates thought i was was crazy but i could not focus unless there was some background noise Yeah, I've since moved on from movies to, uh, generally there's like these focus music tracks that don't have any words. And and I think those do work better for me now, but yeah, I've been doing this for a long time and I didn't even realize it was a thing. It wasn't an intentional choice that I made. I just realized that I always had a movie playing and I was frequently not watching it. I was doing something else, but had to be something in the background.
1: Yeah. And then there's like on YouTube, there's entire channels that'll be like the Hogwarts, you know, library or whatever. And it'll put some static or relatively static image on and play music or sound effects in the background. I find that very useful as well. But, you know, some people don't like that. They really want silence. And all of this is kind of a self-assessment thing. You've got to figure out what works for you. But um, I think you kind of got to go through the checklist to figure it out. the The last piece of this is other people. Like, can you work around other people? And this is increasingly an issue because a lot of workplaces now are building out um, workspaces. You know, kind of with the evolving nature of technology, where it used to be they'd have a cubicle farm or a bunch of little offices. Now they've got a bunch of couches and bar stools. And they expect you to just take your laptop and wander around and find places to sit and work. And by that nature, you're going to be working with other people in the room.
0: Yeah, I kind of wonder, you mentioned uh, Steve Jobs designing the Pixar building with a single, wanting to design it with a single bathroom so people bumped into each other. And there's this big trend towards open offices and a lot of negative thoughts towards that approach. And from a focus perspective, I totally get it. But I also think that they're not necessarily bad. It depends on the nature of the work that you're doing. If you're doing more collaborative work, that might be the ideal environment for you. It's when you're forced to focus on something as a a monotask and, uh, you have to do it in that environment that it gets gets really difficult. But I kind of wonder how Steve jobs would feel about that sort of sort of trend. Cause I think there's a, there's a time and place for both of those.
1: Yes. I I think that's right. I mean, you know, if you look at kind of the Cal Newport deep work definition, I think that would be hard in a room full of people because other humans Mm -hmm. do things. And as humans, we're always interested in other humans, you know, if I'm sitting here trying to do deep work and Mike Schmitz is sitting next to me, you know, beep bopping along to some song that I can't stand, it's going to affect my ability to focus. And, um, and if you look at Pixar, the interesting thing is he really did design it for both. They, he was very interested in the common areas and the one big bathroom. But the, also, the you know, the creatives have their own spaces. In fact, famously, if you go on YouTube and you look it up, they decorate them extensively, you know, and they create these little like theme parks and their little space office spaces where they can go and be alone in there and do creative work. So Mm -hmm. they, they accounted for both. Now, as I understand, the new Apple campus doesn't really do that. It's almost everything is common space. And these are some very smart people that are required to now work in that environment. And I'm very curious to see how that all plays out.
0: See that—that's the the thing though—is when you have those separate spaces, that requires some self-management to know which mode, which environment to put yourself in when. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like getting back to the monkey brain part—we're really bad at that.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> we seek out the distraction a lot of times when what we should be doing is going to the the isolated environment. That my office—I call it the focus cave. Yeah. Right? Uh, we should be going into our focus cave to do something, but that's the exact moment that you want to find out what everybody else is doing.
1: Yeah. It's a nice escape, right? Yep. This episode of the focus podcast is brought to you by timing. Go to timingapp.com slash focus for 10% off with the automatic time tracking app for Mac OS. Whether you're billing by the hour, employed, or billing per project, you might need to estimate how long a task is going to take. Or maybe you just want a better understanding of where your time goes so you can make some positive changes. Time tracking helps you stay on track with those estimates to make sure you don't end up in the red with your projects and to make more accurate estimates in the future. But in today's work environment, work changes so quickly that you can't start and stop timers for everything. The good news is your computer already knows what you do, so why not have it track time for you? Timing automatically tracks everything you do on your Mac without having to lift a finger. You can trust it to always give you the complete picture. Timing will detect when you are in a video call and lets you record what the meeting was about afterwards. And there's even more magic like this in timing to make recording your time as easy as possible. Plus you can enjoy the activity screen, which presents your app usage, including websites, file paths, and window titles. And if you want to, you can start and stop timers from within the main timing app. And if you're collaborating with colleagues, timing's Teams feature lets you share projects with them and record everyone's time in a central location, which lets managers get a quick overview of where their team members spend their time while preserving their privacy. Because which apps, documents, and websites each team members use stays private and is not visible to managers. Plus, with a super slick onboarding process, everyone will be up to speed in no time. I've tried a lot of different ways to track time over the years, and I keep coming back to timing app because it's the only one that automatically tracks time. I just forget to throw manual switches. And then at the end of the day, I've got a bunch of garbage time entries that don't even make sense because it'll say I did something like took a shower for seven hours. With timing, it's just managed for me. It knows when I start working in an app or on a specific document. And when I get to the end of the day, I can see accurately where I spent my time. And accuracy is important here because if your time tracking data is garbage, then it's really of no use to you. All you have to do with timing is install the app and continue working. You can do a lot more customization with the app if you want, but it's not necessary. It does great work right out of the box. So, if you want to take control of how you spend your time and improve your productivity, download the free 14-day trial today by going to timingapp.com/focused and save 10% when you subscribe. That's timingapp.com/focused to try timing for free and save 10% when you subscribe. And our thanks to Timing for their support of the Focus Podcast and all of Relay FM. It's
0: not just our physical environments that we got to pay attention to, though. So what else should we should we be looking out for?
1: uh for me, it's digital workspaces I mean, and that's what's going on on your screen. I think that is another area of clutter disorganization and potential distraction um, and that's one of the reasons why I have a podcast called the automators honestly so i I really like to have my computer kind of set itself up for me when I want to do a certain kind of work. Like when I record a podcast, I can tell you right now, I'm looking at my screen, the left side of the screen is a show outline. The right side of the screen is all the recording tools. So I can make sure everything's working and that's kind of evolved over the years. Like for instance, the uh, the the outline is closer to the left side of the screen because that's where the microphone is, and I want to have a, i don't want to talk away from the microphone, and like I've kind of built the whole system around getting the best possible recording. And I don't like set those windows up anymore. I just sit down and I press my podcast setup, and everything happens. And um, bringing intentionality to digital setups, I think, also helps with focus. I mean, and when I see the screen like this, my brain. The the wires in my brain that connect to okay now you're going to give a make a podcast get connected it's not me manually plugging things in I, it's honestly like my eyeball seeing this screen and then I'm like okay time to make a podcast let's go
0: yeah uh, I like the thought and the intention paid towards the digital workspaces uh, a lot of the things you're talking about the automation the window arrangements. Opening different apps, positioning them specifically to facilitate the the task that you're working on, that's all well and good. Uh, I think where things get really interesting is with the devices that are typically kind of fall in the gray zone. Like for me, and it, it sounds like for you, the computer is the place where the work happens, but There's a whole nother set of things to consider when you pick up your phone or your tablet. And uh, that, again, these are all different contexts which can benefit greatly from some intentional constraints maybe that you would apply to them to force you down a, maybe not force, maybe that's too strong a word, but lead you down a path of uh, desired activity. And when really, we're all just creatures of habit. So if you're just going to sit down at a a digital device without any thought to uh, what you're going to do when you get there, that's when you find yourself scrolling through social media, constantly checking email, those types of things. At least that's my experience.
1: So how do you deal with it? Well,
0: for uh, my phone specifically, I have a a widget for widget Smith right on my home screen that says create, not consume. Yeah. <laughs> so when I open it up, that's what I see. And I've been very careful about selecting apps for the, that front screen, which are going to facilitate what I determined to be positive technology uses or net positive technology uses. So I've got things on there like obsidian MindNode where I'll take notes on the books that I read drafts where I'll capture some notes, some different things that I use for communicating, but not anything social, not anything email, things that support my morning and evening routines, Uh, a big widget that shows me how much water I've, I've drank today, because that's a habit I want to reinforce. And basically just stacking that front screen with as many cues as possible, which would take me in a positive direction. Everything else is there. I can search for Twitterific if I want to, but it's not there looking at me when I open it up. And that is, for some people, maybe not going to be enough. For some people, that maybe seems like, why in the world would you do that? Do you really not have enough self-control that if you saw the Twitter app on your home screen, you're just going to go into it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. I've had that muscle memory and it felt really weird for the weeks that I was trying to break that. So I guess I'm just that gullible that if it's in my face, I'm going to tap on it and I needed to remove
1: it. So when Apple first announced focus mode for uh, the iPhone and iPad and Mac, uh, we talked about it on the show, but now it's been out for a while. Are you using any of that stuff to help along this, this path?
0: I am using it very, very lightly. I know you've kind of gone all in with these yeah. <laughs> different focus modes. Yeah, I do. Uh, that might actually be a really cool topic at, at some point because I've had on my list for a while to reconsider these focus modes and how I might use them. But I really don't use them a lot. I just use do not disturb whenever I'm going to be doing something like recording a podcast, you know, so that I don't get the, the dings in the background from a text message or
1: something. Yeah, I use them extensively and I've talked about a lot on the automators and Mac power users so we don't need to re- repeat it here but the big picture is you can set focus modes and like one of the things you can do is you can change the home screen on your devices based on which focus mode you are in and it's per device so like if I want to if I want to sit and read I can turn on the reading mode and the reading app show up on my iPad and you know the notification people that can get a hold of me, the list goes way down. Or if I'm going to like right now I'm in podcast mode. Um, So that there, there's some real power there with what they've done. And if you're struggling to kind of like wrangle your digital stuff, um, I would recommend spending some time looking into how to do it and, and try some serious experiments with it. Because once again, I mean, we want to get you to the next level with this. I mean, it's not enough just to say, how can I, you know, engineer my surroundings to help me be more focused, it's almost better if you get to that level of like how can I use my engineering you know how can I engineer my surroundings to focus me? You know it's not yeah. a question of holding on it's a question of turning on
0: I like that a lot, and uh if I had not already ruthlessly eliminated as many potential distractions from my phone as I possibly could prior to. The focus modes being released i probably would be using them a lot more extensively i don't really i don't really need those on my computer though because the computer is the the place that i actually need to see some of those notifications i don't like the way that they sync over across different devices i'm sure there's a way i could make that work but uh on my my phone i've changed everything so it only refreshes when i tell it to refresh i've turned off all notifications for just about everything and it took some getting used to and made some people mad when they couldn't get a hold of me right away but uh I- i've i'm okay with that that's a trade yeah. i'm willing to make and people have just learned like this is i guess one of the difficulties of of dealing with mike <laughs> but uh it does uh, now that those expectations are set you know it I I don't need to allow certain people in. I'm fine just keeping out everybody for this one this short period of time. And you might have that argument, well what if something terrible happened and you, your wife needed to get a hold of you? I'll get it when I'm done recording and it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh that's kind of my approach. Maybe that's that's wrong, but That's kind of where I've landed on it. Well,
1: and and that's not there there really isn't any wrong answers. I think the purpose of the show is to get people to think about it and run some experiments. But for me, like I like being able to get messages from the person I'm podcasting with. So I punch holes for that person. And um, you know, it's making a podcast is great, but it's not brain surgery if my daughter gets a flat tire or something and texts me while recording the show, I may interrupt the show to try and help her get through whatever she's dealing with. So it just depends, you know, and we all make our own choices with this stuff. But the the point I'd like to make is that Apple has given you some tools if you're on the Apple platforms that make this a lot easier than it's ever been. So that that's really useful. Uh, But the actual stuff that I do for, for triggering focus modes. And it kind of gets to this idea that I've been talking about on my other shows of contextual computing is setting context with what appears on the screen. And I think too often, if you've got your mail application open, that's going to become the, the thing that you focus on instead of the word processing document or the art Document or whatever it is that you're trying to create, and so I like to eliminate those types of distractions through automation and have my computer, you know, do things. Like I, I've got a mode where if I'm doing file transfer activities, the computer arranges itself for that. If I'm making a podcast, if I'm making a screencast, if I'm you know, managing calendars and email. I've got different modes. And if you use those and you build them over time, your brain will automatically trigger into that mode when it sees it. And that's really powerful. Like if I push a button on my computer and suddenly I'm, you know, putting a mindset to do my art, then I'm winning. You know, that helps. And that's that's all we can ask for. Because uh, computers these days are not engineered to help you work. They're engineered to buy it, to sell your attention to third people parties. I mean, the whole underlying premise of technology has changed underneath our feet. And I think mm. as people who use these things, we have to take, you know, rest control back and we have to do whatever it takes to help, help us keep the focus. I mean, the reason we make this show is because I think it's a big deal and I don't think enough people have got their eyes on the ball.
0: So I want to ask you a, a question based on some of the environmental concerns that you had raised in the previous section on physical workspaces. I feel like some of these can apply yeah. to your digital workspaces as well, like the sterile versus personalized. I I get that. You know, people are going to personalize their, their devices. They have the pictures they want to see, things like that. I'm curious, though, what you think in terms of cleanliness and file management or lack thereof. <laughs> Do you uh, think that when it comes to your digital workspaces you need to keep and again your personal experience desktop clean uh, things organized in in folders does that kind of stuff bother you
1: uh you know if you've been listening to the show you probably know the answer already um i the stuff that's on my desktop is there for a very short period of time and then it gets put wherever it belongs I do have an action folder if you saw my hazel field guide, you know I have a place that I put things into where a bunch of automation rules are applied, and sometimes the automation doesn't capture everything, and usually that means once in a while I'll sit down and look at what didn't get automatically filed, and then I'll figure out how to set it so it does in the future. Maybe I need to add some tags to them or whatever, but largely, I like the system to maintain itself, but I want everything clean
0: so I have a confession to make. Then, okay. <laughs> uh, I discovered an app called Desktop Curtain, which basically covers up everything yeah. on the desktop. Yeah, I'm familiar and with And the those. desktop yeah. has become my my action item folder. <laughs> yeah, I get it.
1: It's okay, I, but it's just not for me. You know. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, the, Daisy's like that too. She has so many icons on her desktop that they overlap like it's like they literally overlap each other and like sometimes it's hard to get to one because it's got another one right on top of it but you know to each his own but that's a thing for me and like i said i i'm not saying this that everybody should copy the way i do things i just want you to be aware of these things and think them through for yourself but um my fixation with keeping things neat and tidy combined with my my automation chops means it doesn't become a big deal for me to do that. You know, I've built the tools to do it for me. The robots handle that stuff, but either way, uh, you know, one thing we didn't haven't talked about yet, and this kind of gets back more into physical spaces though, is like, what kind of advice do you give to someone who's listening to the show and says, yeah, I am in a cubicle and I have no control over what, you know, is done in my cubicle.
0: That's a good point. Um, I I think the general advice, which maybe isn't, Going to appear to be super helpful is to uh, control what you can control. So, if that's where you find yourself, don't get upset that that's where you find yourself. Speaking to past me, I would have resented the fact that, oh, listen to these guys talking about their home offices and all the stuff that they're able to control and get upset that I couldn't do the same sort of thing yeah. myself. Yeah. And that is the w- absolute worst thing you can do because now your environment isn't real great for facilitating deep focused work or uh, whatever it is that that you need to do effectively well. And, and now you've got an emotional mess that you've got to sort through, which is fighting against you doing the the task well also.
1: And I would say find and win some little battles, you know, what if you put an orchid next to your computer Are they really going to fight you on that, you know, a living thing, sharing your space with you is, can be nice, you know, put some art on the walls that brings you joy and delight or, you know, pictures of your family or whatever. I mean, just try and win some battles and just figure out where those lines are drawn. Be the edge case in your office, the one who's always pushing the limit. I like that. And I also think that a lot of these companies, I mean, if they're smart, they want results. And if you're somebody who's producing good results, they aren't gonna they aren't gonna lose their mind over your weird practices. Like when I was in my office, a lot of the other older attorneys thought it was nuts that because I had I built my own standing desk, and it was a standing desk. It was not a sit stand desk. And I I this was a long time ago, and I moved into in my office, it was a big hunk of walnut and maple. And like I was wearing out the carpet. I was the first one to get a cordless phone because I wanted to walk around and talk. I put this big whiteboard on my wall and they would come in and shake their head once in a while at all the stuff I was doing in there. But I got results. So they left me alone in general.
0: Yeah. One other more general tip that uh, I like how you mentioned the automation, keeping your digital workspace clean and doing the work for you. And uh, (laughs) my, my next thought was, wouldn't it be great if you could do that in your physical environment as well? But I think there probably are little ways that you could do that. One thing that comes to mind is like a little robot vacuum, and I don't have any experience with these. But if that's something that really just drives you nuts having to do that, you could solve that problem of having to to sweep your floor, vacuum your floor with uh, with a robot.
1: We talked on the show years ago about mise en place, you know, the idea, the the chef's idea that, you know, there's a place for the knives and all the the tools you need when you're in the kitchen. And if you have things in their places, it works better. And I really kind of applied that to my workspace. I've got that Kaizen foam in my drawers. So all of my tools go into a specific place and by tools, I'm not talking about hammers. I'm talking about the things I use to create digital content and I find putting them away and keeping it clean is like a nice transition. Like when I sit down to a screencast, I may get a bunch of cables out to record things and whatever I need to like make this happen. Maybe I'll set up multiple cameras or something. And when I finish that block, before I start the next block, the process of maybe putting a podcast in my ear and just kind of tidying up the cables, putting things away and just kind of bringing the, the workspace back to zero and starting the next thing that actually helps me transition. It's like pulling weeds or doing anything else, right? It's kind of brainless way to transition. So I, I kind of use it to my advantage. Um, But again, everybody listening to this doesn't need to be as anal retentive as I am about stuff like this. If you need to, to, if you just keep stuff in your desk, that's fine. But you know, uh, what I want you to do is be intentional about finding what, conditions, you know, lead you to focus and what conditions lead you away from focus and then, you know, make an effort to, you know, to lean into it. So you can, you can use this stuff to get your work done and get home and have fun and not have to work all the time and, and do good work that you're proud of.
0: This episode of focus is brought to you by Shopify. Shopify is tirelessly reinventing tools for growth for millions of businesses and helping them succeed every day. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved exclusively for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. And if you're looking to scale your business, You should check out Shopify because it makes it really easy for potential customers to find and buy your products. Like a lot of you, probably, I would much prefer to do my shopping online, but sometimes you don't want to go to Amazon or a big box store. Some of my favorite vendors are the people who make things independently. And in the past, it's been difficult for those types of people to sell things online. But Shopify makes it really easy. In fact, I just bought a new note card holder for the analog system from Ugmonk, which digging into the code, I can see that they use Shopify. And it doesn't surprise me because the checkout experience is great. In fact, I actually prefer it to a lot of those bigger sites that roll their own checkout solutions. With Shopify, it's very easy. Millions of businesses in 175 countries around the world have made over 200 billion US dollars in sales using Shopify. And I totally get it because the user interface is just so nice, especially on mobile devices where, according to the Shopify website, 70% of shoppers buy their products. So if you have a need to sell a product online, you should check out Shopify. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale and allows you to reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps which includes things like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. With Shopify, you can gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. Shopify is more than just a store because it actually grows with you. This is a possibility powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash focused F-O-C-U-S-E-D, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial. And you'll get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to Shopify.com slash focused. F O C U S E D. That URL one more time, Shopify.com slash focused. Remember, that's all lowercase. Our thanks to Shopify for their support of the Focus Podcast and all of Relay FM.
1: All right, Mike, you want to talk about um what we've done in terms of engineering our workspaces. I mean, this book actually made me rethink a lot of things when I read it.
0: Yeah. Uh, So my workspace, I realize, as you were talking about previously, you mentioned what conditions lead to focus. And uh, I recognize that for me, it is eliminating the friction with starting the task, which is why when you look at My messy desk, (laughs) everything on there is basically in a place where whatever task I need to do, I can get into that mode as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like I I was thinking about looking because, um, are you okay if we share a couple pictures of our workspaces in the show notes? Yes, absolutely. So Mike has two different cameras on his desk and he's got also studio lighting on his desk. And so you can go from the idea of like, hey, I'm going to make a video to recording the video in about 30 seconds.
0: <laughs> it's true. So when I was making some videos for uh, the suite setup a couple of years ago, uh, being forced to do it from home, I had all the lights, I had all the camera gear, and I would set everything up, I would test it, and I didn't know enough about video to realize these little mistakes that I was making. And so I would shoot a video and then afterwards I would see something wrong. Ah, got to do it again. Problem was it took me a really long time to set all that stuff up. And every time I would set it up again, it wasn't consistent. And so what I ended up doing is I've got bolted onto my desk, a Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K that is sitting inside of a teleprompter. So I can throw my iPad up there and have words for scripts if I need them. I can also use that camera just as a webcam. I've got some Elgato Keylight Airs that are on my desk, and I can turn those on with a Stream Deck button. And you're right, within 15 seconds probably, I can go from, hey, I've got this idea to a video to actually recording it. And that makes it a lot easier for me to sit down and record videos. Because there was a lot of times when I would have an idea for something that I wanted to record, like, oh, that's great. That's a cool idea. I don't want to set up all the lights. I don't want to set up all the cameras. Even if it's just like I need to double check that the focus is correct or the ISO, any of the camera settings weren't messed up. That was enough friction for me not to do them. And means that a lot of stuff just never got created because oh, it's too much work, even if it really wasn't a whole lot. This is literally just turn on the camera, turn on the lights and I'm ready to go.
1: Yeah. And I've gone the opposite direction with that in my studio in terms of camera stuff is I plan for it. Like I do, I have planned video shoot days and I spend time kind of like playing, what am I going to say? And kind of laying it out. And then I set up that day and i've timed it it takes me about 10 minutes to get my lighting set up and my camera on a tripod it doesn't take long because i've kind of streamlined everything but that's 10 minutes and for a lot of people 10 minutes is way too long to bother doing it right but if i've decided i'm going to shoot three or four that day it's not that long to set it up and to me the clutter of having all that stuff on my desk all the time not to mention like my My preferred video angles aren't the angles of shooting from the desk back to me in my chair. I I have different angles I want. So I would literally, if I wanted to have it set up that way, to have to have it on like a rolling tripod in the middle of my house. So it's just, you know, for me, I I went the opposite direction with it. And I don't think either one is wrong. I think there's a lot of argument that yours is the better solution because it removes friction. But I've kind of got mm-hmm. to the point where the, the I find the process of setting things up for the video gives me a chance to like rehearse it. Like I actually a lot of times will say the words out loud while I'm connecting pipes and putting things together just to get used to getting the words over my lips. So it's almost like a dress rehearsal while I'm setting things up. It's just not that big of a deal to me to do that. And uh, But it took me a while to get there. And, and like I, it's affected the equipment choices I've made and things like that because I don't want equipment that's super complicated to set up because then it will take more than 10 or 15 minutes. It'll take half hour to an hour and then I'm not going to do it.
0: You and I are very different people, but I wish I was like you. (laughs) Well,
1: that's not the point. I mean, we're all, I mean, honestly, I think that you've got like, like we're going to talk at some point about unlimited budget. If I had unlimited budget, I would have dedicated camera studio space. You know, Michael Hyatt has, a setup he told me where he took a picture of his office super clean and then had it blown up like wall size. And then he can he dripes that and then he stands in front of a camera and then talks. And if you're watching the video, it looks like he's in his office because you know cameras aren't that smart. And yeah, it's like that's if I had the space and the money, I would have a nice camera, maybe a couple nice cameras like locked in on tripods that don't move. And, uh, you know, everything just set, like I, I just watched a video recently of in KBHD's studio and he's got rooms there set up for shooting, you know, and that would be great, but I don't have that space. So I've got to, you know, I've got to set things up, when I need to do that.
0: Yeah. Just the thought of setting stuff up though, it makes my skin crawl. (laughs) Okay. Well (laughs)
1: then then you shouldn't do that. I feel like, yeah,
0: yeah, I think, I think that Part of that is like, yeah, like you said, you you got over it. I don't know why I cannot get over that. Like I even have on my desk here, if you look at this picture closely, not only do I have two cameras, I have two microphones because for the intentional family podcast I do with my wife, I never want to have to touch her microphone. I don't want to have to set any levels. Those are both permanently wired to the MixPre-3 sitting on my desk. Yeah. So that all we need to do is swing down the boom arm when it's time to record every other week, even just setting that up for a couple of minutes, which that's not, that's not hard, but I just never, ever want to touch that stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I get it. And, but to me to sit there and look at an unused microphone except for one hour a week on my, and have to look at it every day on my desk, it would drive me up a flipping wall, you know? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I,
1: I've been struggling lately. Um, I talked on the Mac power users about me and this thing called the Vesta board, which is like this piece of like, it's a flip board that you stick on the wall and it's connected to the internet. And I've been lusting after one for literally years. And I, at one point, like shortly before I decided to quit being a lawyer, I did a big project and, and got made some money. And cause these things are like three grand and I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'm just going to take that three grand and I'm going to put it in an account and I'm going to buy a flipboard. So I ordered one, and then like, I'm thinking, what am I going to do with this flipboard? You know, I love the sound of it and the idea of it, but I feel like that's so much money, right? And and I talked on um, Deep Focus while well, ago how I, I'm rekindling my interest in woodworking, and like, they make a thing now called the hot dog saw. You know, it's well, I call it the hot dog saw. It's it's called a saw stop. If it touches meat. The blade slams into a piece of aluminum and drops down so you don't cut your finger off with it, you know. Well, hot dog saw is the same amount as a flipboard, you know. <laughs> so I realized I would rather have my fingers than a flipboard. So I, I canceled the flipboard. That that's the big, you know, like okay. Oh, yeah. okay. You know, I can't I can't I you know, I just cut off half my income. I can't just be crazy, you know. And yeah. I think, well. I don't have a flipboard. I could put up a second screen, and like the stuff I was going to use in the flipboard, I could put up on the second screen. So I, uh, I hung a um, I have a 4K monitor because I used to have extra like vertical screens, and I put it up. And Annie Murphy Paul in this book talks about how much better it is with computers to have more screen space, so you don't have to switch between screens. And I've had it up for like five hours because I started it this morning before we recorded today. I can already tell this thing's going to go. Because I hate the sight of it on my desk. It has nothing to do <laughs> with its utility. I just don't want it on my desk. So it's a sickness.
0: <laughs> One thing I do want to talk about with some of the s- pictures that I shared with uh, my office here is I don't have a huge office, but I basically have three different zones in my office. So I have the desk, which is where all of the work happens. But then to the side of that, I have this giant beanbag chair with a beanbag ottoman that is kind of like my thinking chair. This was totally inspired by Sean McCabe. Yeah. And uh this also uh, I'll put a link to this in the, the show notes. It's a brand called Corduroys. We don't have a guest bedroom at our house and we don't have anybody who's come to stay with us in the last couple of years anyways. But I do think that it would be nice to have somewhere for someone to sleep if they needed to stay at our house. And so this thing actually is a queen-size mattress that when you take out the the bag from the inside of the chair, it puffs up and it's comfier than any air mattress I've, I've ever slept on. And so the thought is that if someone really needed a place to stay, then my office could potentially be like a a guest bedroom. But like I said, that hasn't happened. It's just been the, uh, the comfy thinking chair for me. And uh, that's also the place that, you know, a while ago you were telling me that I should really try taking a nap every once in a while. Well, that's the napping spot now as well. <laughs> and then uh, the other spot that I have here is... Uh, this office that we built is at the bottom of our basement stairs, and it just so happened that this little cutout in the the side is the perfect size for this old leather couch that I didn't even really want. My parents just kind of dropped it off one day, but it fits perfectly in the office, and so that is a place where I can go to just it feels like I'm I'm going somewhere else. It, it's literally three feet away from me as I'm recording this podcast right now on the other side of these monitors. But it's a couch and it's got footrests that pop out and there's a coffee table right there. And so when I just need a a different angle even for thinking about something while I'm working on something, I'll, I'll just grab the, the laptop that I've got now, which is kind of my, I'm living the David Sparks single computer lifestyle <laughs> and uh, go there, open it up, and it just feels like a different, different environment, even though it's literally in the exact same space.
1: Yeah. See, now if I had your space, I would get rid of the couch and turn that into a video production space.
0: I'm considering that. Yeah. The couch is a, a pain in the pain in the, the butt to get,
1: get out of here, but set it, set it fire at some and point. just come back the next day, you know, sweep <laughs> it up. Yeah, the uh, yeah, that's that's good though. I mean, it's nice. I have a chair as well next to my desk. We call it in the family the co-pilot chair because my dog sleeps on it most of the day. But I um I also sit in that chair, and that's like where I sit with um my iPad and go through my task lists. And like it's like it, yeah, you know, I talked earlier about you know context switch, uh, switching on location. It can be as simple as a chair next to your desk. And when I'm there, I feel very motivated to do things like journal and manage tasks because that's all I really do in that chair. And it works. You know, I've I've created like mental triggers by sitting into a nice comfy leather chair next to my desk. And um, I do think that's something nice. And and like, if you've got a small space at work and you can carve out a corner, like when I was a lawyer, I didn't have a very big office, but that standing desk that I, I made and brought in was a place where I would practice like, uh, oral arguments and things like that, I would stand up there and I also would do all my proofreading there. I never proofread sitting down at my desk. I would print it out and bring it, up and stand up there and proofread it because I wrote it at my desk, putting myself in a different location to proofread. I felt like I did a better job proofreading. And um, so, you know, try and find ways to play these tricks with yourself to find different spaces. It This stuff really works. I mean, I know I keep saying it over and over again.
0: One other trick I want to sh- I want to share because this was inspired partly by you, partly by Mike Vardy, but I have on my door to my office a sign that is designed to trigger a certain mode when I walk down the stairs and go into my office. And it's just a cheap sign that I found off of Etsy that says studio. And that sounds like a really stupid small change calling your office a studio but for because a lot of the work that i do is creative in nature i find that that term is a lot more appealing to me and it kind of puts me in that mindset that i'm coming in here to create or i'm coming in here like i called it my focus cave before right so i am coming in here with a a specific purpose i'm not just dreading going down the stairs because oh it's time to work Uh, I'm getting myself mentally prepared to do something specific and it sounds like it shouldn't make that big a difference, but it totally does.
1: Yeah, no, I think it, I mean, I, I, I've called my working space, the studio for a long time for exactly the same reason. The other thing I have is an antique desk that was, uh, was my mother's and it's a writing desk. It's a fold down writing desk. And I use that for all my personal business and all my hand journaling and all that stuff happens at that desk. So it's like, I very carefully kind of decided what happens at certain desks or certain locations, even in the limited space I have. And just to be clear, my office is or studio is not in a separate room. It's like central to our house. When you walk in the front door, you walk into my studio and, That's just because we live in a small house and my, you know, COVID came and I got kicked out of my old studio because my kids were moving back home and, and I, um, so I don't have a lot of room, but I, I definitely have been very intentional about the way I set things up.
0: Well, you may not have a lot of room, but you have a lot of lightsabers.
1: I do. Uh, Well, that kind of, that's interesting too. Like if you look at my wall, I got those, um, People started giving them to me after they opened the Batu thing at Disneyland. Like every Christmas, I was getting them, and and a couple times I bought myself a set. Um, and the um, and I realized I had a bunch of them. So why are they sitting in a drawer? I just got some uh, little hooks and hung them on the wall, and they bring me joy. And that's kind of like getting back to like making the space yours. Um, I have a little Yoda statue there because I'm a big Star Wars nerd. And it, actually, Yoda and I have a little conversation once in a while while I'm sitting there. And and it's just kind of nice space. But I, I still have a lot of room to work. But I've got some kind of like personal stuff there. Uh, one thing I've discovered over the last several years is I like having living things in my space. And I have a bonsai tree there that... Is now I think almost three years old, and I've been able to keep it alive. And I and I take care take care of it. I trim it. I feed it. I do all the things you need to do to a bonsai tree. And I've also got an orchid. Someone gave my daughter an orchid like a year ago, and I've managed to keep it alive. But it's my orchid now because I I like fuss over it all the time, and I, <laughs> I, I like having some living things around me. And that's that was something. Like for instance, when I put this test up with this monitor, I put it where the orchid usually is. And I think I get much more value out of having an orchid there than more pixels. Um sure. I mean that seriously, it's not like uh me being silly, but, but the, um, so either way, you know, you got to kind of engineer it to your personality, but I like to keep it pretty clean too. And, and the, the, there are no right answers, but you know, getting back to the premise of today's show is your environment affects your focus. And, you need to really take that into account. Like Mike and I are so different. Mike on his desk, I was teasing him before we started recording. He's got all his ink collections, like for all his, his pens on his desk. I was looking at this picture. I'm like, yep. what are all those bottles? And it's like, I don't know, they're like 15, 20 bottles of ink on your desk.
0: Yeah. Somebody came over one time and they said, what are those? Your
1: potions? Yeah. <laughs> i am like, oh my gosh, Mike, I don't know how you do it. I, I couldn't, I couldn't work that way. It would drive me nuts. I have I don't have as much ink as you, but it's in a little um, plastic container in the garage. And when I need it, I go get one. You know, once a month. You know, <laughs> I to have sure. them on my desk all time. I I just couldn't do it. But but you know, then Michael will look at my desk and say, "How does he do anything? It looks like a surgical table or something." I don't know what you think, or it's like a, well, a Star Wars um, a Star Wars cosplay or something. I don't know. But we're all different.
0: I do like your little Yoda there. Uh, As I look at MySpace, and it does, I'll admit, it looks very cluttered, but it is optimized for function, and you use the term joy. And I recognize that that is definitely something that I have done with MySpace. So on my desk, I've got this like plastic rhinoceros, which is got some intrinsic value to me. I just really like the the rhinoceros, uh, my my, uh, uh, discipleship group at church. We call ourselves Rhino Squad because it's got symbolism. They've got real thick skin. You can knock them down, but you're not going to take them out sort of a thing. I've got like little Lego guys. I've got the challenge coins for relaying the pen addict. I got the key switch tester and basically everything I've got art wise in my office uh, has v- intrinsic value as well. Several of the pictures, including the the three that are framed over the couch, those are photos that my wife took of my violin that my grandma gave me, which is over 200 years old. And then my acoustic guitar, Yeah, there's a picture above the thinking chair that she painted of uh, like the, the headstock of a guitar and somebody playing a, a, a song. I've got fracture prints of the projects that I have active, got my guitar hanging on the wall because I, I think it looks cool. And every time I see it, I, I smile, Yeah, you know, so I get it. everything in yeah. here has, has meaning to me. And I feel like that's the thing that makes it work. If it didn't have meaning, I probably would want stuff a lot cleaner, but i even the ink bottles i i know what each one of those is for and what it represents and it makes me happy yeah
1: and i totally get like the rhino and stuff and this is just me like i'm again i'm not judging i'm just telling you for me like all the cords from all the cameras the ink i would rather just deal with the hassle of setting things up and that doesn't mean i'm right and you're wrong it's just we're very different about it and and i think that's really the point environment affects focus I would have a hard time working at your desk you would have a hard time working at my desk and if you're listening to the show uh you know you've got to find your own balance with all this stuff but you should be looking for it if you're just kind of like using the space around you without being intentional about it I think you're going to regret it
0: yeah and not even you know going as nuts as we have in this last segment of describing our own workspaces and all the stuff that we've done like Again, going back to the beginning, control what you can control. If you can make your environment just a little bit better, a little bit more fun, that's going to make the work that you have to do better and more enjoyable.
1: Well, we have a forum. We'd love to hear from you guys about what you're doing with your spaces and how you're trying to use your environment to to encourage you to focus or maybe even trigger it. You can find that over at talk.macpowerusers.com. Let us hear about it. We are the Focus Podcast. You can find us on relay.fm slash focus. Thank you to our sponsors today, our friends at Indeed, Timing, and Shopify. And we'll see you next time.